have your Bibles this evening, let's turn once again to that wonderful book of holy songs, the Psalms. And we've made it to Psalm 99. This has been termed the Holy Psalm. There's three times in this psalm where that's really uh, pointed out specifically, especially in verse 5. And uh, also you see it in verse 9. And um, then I'm just not seeing it right now, but oh, verse 3 as well. And really speaks to that attribute, that characteristic of God. But we want to look at something that I think that is, is so precious to every believer. And it's the idea that our God is a holy forgiver. That's the title of our message tonight, The Holy Forgiver. It's wonderful to me tonight that on the last Wednesday night of this year that we have met together at Jesus' feet to praise his name and to hear from his word. And I just want to thank all of you personally for your faithfulness to attend on Wednesday night. And, and I hope that the Lord will continue to give you a heart to want to present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable which is our reasonable service and I, I hope that you'll really rejoice tonight to know that even though God is holy 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 yet he loves to display his mercy through the forgiveness of the sins of, of his children and uh, the psalm speaks to that especially we'll look at verse 7 and 8 tonight and it's an important concept uh, brother Kevin it reminded me in his his prayers he talked about all these so-called gods they they have eyes they see not ears they hear not uh, in Christianity is the only place where we find the concept of the forgiveness of sins, a God who uh, has atoned uh, for the sins of his people and forgives them of their sins and the peace that that gives to the children of God and those who believe in the Savior. And in the New Testament alone, the subject of forgiveness, either God forgiving us or us forgiving others, is brought up over 40 times in the New Testament alone. I thought that was pretty significant if the Holy Spirit uh, brings up a subject that many times it's something that that we ought to uh, dwell on often and try to put into practice in our lives so that's what we're going to try to look at tonight I hope it'll be a great uh, blessing uh, to you tonight and so we're going to read the psalm together especially noticing uh, verse 7 and 8 on our subject and then when we get to verse 9, that's our memory verse for this psalm, and we'll read that out loud together. So please join me in the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name. For it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. 
Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that called upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them. O Lord our God, and here's our thought, and how beautiful a thought it was, y'all, to underline it. Thou wast a God that forgavest them. Though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions or their evil deeds. And then verse 9 together, everyone. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So we know that in the holiness of God, God has a wrath that is against sin. God hates sin. He abhors iniquity. He, it, he, even uh, the uh, stars, the Bible says, I don't know how this is possible, but it says even the stars are unclean in His sight. That's how holy God is. And so, isn't it wonderful that even in the midst of, of this psalm that is just hammering home the high, exalted, holy, pristine character of God, how He executes judgment, how He, he uh, does everything that, that's right, how He takes vengeance uh, even on the evil inventions of men. Yet in the midst of that, it also says that He's a great forgiver of, of uh, the sins and trespasses of His people. You see... You know, we might overlook transgressions, things in, in other people, and it might not be a holy forgiveness. We might have ulterior motives uh, for, for doing so. But God, in His forgiveness of us, aren't you glad that it's a holy forgiveness? He is, he is right and just to forgive us of our sins because Christ has atoned for them, and so he delights in forgiving us of our transgressions and of our iniquities. And so we're just going to go through a few thoughts on this tonight, and I hope that it will be a great blessing to you. Number one, tonight, the Holy Forgiver acknowledges the good he sees in his children. Does that bless you tonight? To know that God just isn't looking at all your faults. That's the way we feel sometimes, right? Because we're so fallen. We're, we have so many quirks. We have so many hang-ups. And, and whenever we would look into the mirror of God's holiness, oh, it, we see it outside of Christ, outside of His righteousness, we would just see a grotesque thing, wouldn't we? And we would just have to say, oh, I'm unclean. I'm, I'm unworthy to be called your son. There's... There's no good thing in me, Lord, right? But doesn't it, doesn't it uh, bless your heart to know that when God looks at you and me, that that's not what He looks at uh, to see and what He looks for is, is the bad or the sin, but He looks and He acknowledges the good that is in His children. I want to encourage you to do that with the people around you. 
Don't try to find reasons to hate people. Don't, don't look around and try to find and, and promote the faults in others. But look for reasons to, to love others. Uh, look, look for good uh, in, in others. And we see this. What's one thing that I love about the, the intercessory prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 17? This was the, the greatest prayer of all time, prayed by the greatest person of all time. It's the greatest prayer that will ever be. And one of the most beautiful things about their prayer, there's so many beautiful things, is when, when Christ Jesus, the pristine one, he that is most blessed, he that is altogether lovely, he in whom is no sin and there's no fault in him, when he talks about us, when he talks about the church, he could talk about all our faults, he could talk about all our perfections. But when you see in that prayer him talking about his church, he only mentions the good. Is that not beautiful? That we have a holy forgiver and that, that God, when he looks at us, he, he acknowledges the good in his children. I want to just encourage the parents and the grandparents here. Um, sometimes we can get real negative towards our children, you know, because we're in charge of their discipline and, and their faults. Uh, we, we do have to acknowledge them and, and they have to be dealt with. But also, when you see good in your children, when you, when you see the grace of God in their lives, notice that too. And try to promote that uh, in their, their lives and, and let them know that that is a pleasing thing uh, to you to see that in them. And uh, their lives will be blessed because of that. I just want to show you some examples of that. You see, where I get that from in our psalm, you probably picked up on it. Because, you know, Moses had his faults, didn't he? Moses, Moses uh, didn't even get to go into the promised land, did he? Because he struck the rock, and that rock was Christ. Instead of speaking to it, uh, we remember early in his life, in his, in his 40s, he murdered, uh, he slew the Egyptian that was uh, beating one of uh, the Hebrew slaves, and he hid him. And, and uh, there were just many times that Moses stumbled Aaron. We just read about Aaron. Lord, we put that gold in there and presto, changeo, abracadabra, out came this calf. I don't know how it happened, you know. No, and we saw at, at the end of that chapter said, the golden calf which Aaron made, right? Aaron really, really messed up. Even Samuel, uh, you remember that uh, one of Samuel's faults, there's not really many faults about Samuel, but Remember, his sons uh, were, very, were very evil and, and caused Israel to sin. And that's why God didn't use them to be the next leaders, but allowed Saul and, and David to be raised up. But I just love that God does acknowledge that they were fallen men. But what he points out first, even before, he, even before that he says, I dealt with the evil actions that they took and I dealt with that but the first thing he says I forgave them and that wonderful that 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 God's mercy rejoices over judgment I'm glad for that I'm so glad to serve a God like that and to to proclaim a God like that uh to you and so here he says that they kept his testimonies uh, they kept my ordinances they called upon my name here God is 
mentioning the good things uh, that were in their lives, and, and, that, and that rejoices the heart of God. It matters to God how we try to serve Him. It matters to God that you have made a sacrifice and come to His house tonight. Now, we hadn't added anything to God. We hadn't, uh, you know, added to His glory in any way. But it's pleasing to God when He sees His children striving to love and obey Him and do good in the world. And He notices it. Uh, remember about Job. Let's go back to Job chapter 1. You know, what if uh, all the angels were meeting together this morning and God uh, had the floor? Would He say to the um, destroyer, uh, you know, the devil, is he's a thief that's come to steal, to kill, and destroy, right? You know, that He could say to the devil, man, have you considered my servant Kevin? Have you considered my servant Robert or whoever, my, my servant Regina, oh man, and that God could, which could say glowing things and notice glowing things about you. Here he does this about Job, uh, Job chapter 1 verse 8, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, that just means a mature and upright man, one that fears God and he escheweth or he, he hates, he tries to put away evil. What a great statement. Now, we would, we would think that was wonderful if just somebody else said that about us. They're just, they said, well, that's, they're a pretty good person. You know, she's a good mom or he's a good dad or he's a good husband or he's a good wife. They're a good church member. That would make you feel good. But that's just one sinner complimenting another sinner. But here's the holy God of heaven who sees all, who who sees that to the very thoughts and intents of the heart, who knows every bad and evil thing we've ever thought or done in this world, and yet here for the sinful man, he before Satan is mentioning the good things about Job. That's a blessing uh, to me. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself in, in Job's category, but uh, we know that, that Job, and we see Job had his weaknesses and things that, that he had to learn as well. Uh, go with me also to another place uh, uh, in Genesis, the book of Genesis. And just as we're going there, I'm thinking about even Jesus in his ministry when he sees Nathaniel. Do you remember what he said? Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. Jesus pointed out something positive. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is something positive and good uh, that he sees in Nathaniel. Oh, I hope he would be that way with me too. It's so easy to find fault, isn't it? But to, to find good comes from the heart of a holy forgiver. And uh, here in the book of Genesis, uh, have you turned there? Go to Genesis 26. Now, we know our father Abraham. We love him so much. We love uh, the great uh, actions that he took in his life. Uh, they're just tremendous how he just left the Earl of Chaldees on the promise of God and went to a country that he didn't know just on the promise, on the word of God. How later in his life he took the promised seed into the mountain and, and raised his knife believing he didn't fault or, or fail at the promises of God, but he believed that he would even raise Isaac from the dead if he took his life in, in obedience. Well, 
Those are some good things about Abraham. How about him lying about his wife, though, right? Twice, he says, uh, Sarah, just tell him you're my sister because you're beautiful, and I don't want to be killed because I'm married uh, to you. Other things, Hagar, the disappointing outcome there that the world is still feeling the effects uh, of, like Drew said, knee-jerk reactions trying to get ahead of God and not wait patiently and trust the Lord. And so could have said a a lot of bad things about David, couldn't he? Uh, You're a murderer. You're an adulterer. You took the census and and got a bunch of people senselessly killed. But no, he says he was a man after my own heart. He called him the sweet psalmist of Israel. Here in Genesis 26, oh, that, that something similar could be said of us. Look, when he's talking about Abraham, verse 5, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. What a great thing. This holy God that saw all their sins, yet he records in the scriptures of Job, of Abraham, of David, of Nathaniel. We think about Joshua and Caleb, of the things that he said about them. You can just write this one down. Don't go to it. Joshua 14, 14. This is uh, Caleb at the end of his days, he's, he's way past 80. And, you know, he had said, give me this mountain, uh, the area of Hebron where the meanest, uh, most ferocious giants were in the land. He said, I want that for my inheritance. And Joshua said, you will have that for your inheritance because you wholly followed the Lord. Now, that is almost seems hard to believe, right? That someone Holy follow the Lord. Now, that just cannot mean that Caleb and Joshua never faltered or never made any mistakes. We know that they did. But God, looking at the tenor of their life and looking for the best in them, to speak of them and to deal with them, their sins had been forgiven. Their sins were under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior and Redeemer. And so He could look at them and see the good. And you know, He does that with me and you too. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Especially because He's the one that matters the most, right? His opinion, His commentary on us. And so, just want you to know that it matters to God how we make efforts to obey Him. And that the Holy Forgiver, He acknowledges the good that he sees in his children. Let us do that with one another. Let us do that with our spouses. Let us do that with our pastors. Let us do that with our church members. Don't, don't just see the, what they don't do, but see what God blesses them to do by his grace. And if God does look at us, my precious son, isn't it he only sees that good because it's his grace working upon us and in our lives Brother Cody, if you will, in your new Bible, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I would like you to read what the Apostle Paul said um, about even him, his own self. And this 
this man had much to boast in 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 the Lord. But I love the humility that the Apostle Paul had. And if you will with me, uh, uh, start at verse 9 and then read verse 9 and 10. Thank you, brother. Yes. So he, he starts off admitting his weaknesses. He said, you know, I'm not even worthy to be an apostle. He said, I was like one born out of, of due time. And he said, then he mentions his, the thing that grieved Paul the most his whole life was that he had been a persecutor of the people of God. And you remember when he was Saul, how that he breathed out threatenings against any, and, and took him to jail and, and held the coats of those in delight and was delighting as, as Stephen was, was uh, killed with hateful stones. And so he, he, just, he, he just knows that uh, in and of itself there's no good thing. But listen to verse 10 and let this speak into your heart and to mine. But by the grace of God, I am... What I am. And hallelujah, he said, his grace was bestowed upon me. It wasn't in vain. And then so then he can all say, I labored more abundantly than, all, than they all. And it's true, he did. <coughs> he did. He said, but it wasn't me, but the grace of God that was in me. And so it was true with Moses and with Aaron and with Samuel. Back in our text, the Lord says, these Men uh, served me greatly. And it wasn't just the men in the Bible that God did that with. The women. Also, we find God speaking and acknowledging the good that he saw in them. So that's just so important, I think, for us to remember. Because the devil would not like us to have that image of God. And as a matter of fact, before Jesus came into the world and re-imaged for us who the Father was, that was the exact mental picture that the Jewish community as a whole had of God. That God was just this ticked off being up in heaven that only uh, tolerated uh, man uh, based on how man could uh, keep the law that he had, had given to them, and hallelujah, God re-imaged uh, for us who the Father and, and the heart of the Father in his life and ministry. Well, secondly, tonight, we see that the Holy Forgiver speaks and answers. This might really um, step on the toes of some of the wives and sisters here, you ever got mad at your husband and just say, don't talk to me? <laughs> you know, that's hilarious. Most women say, well, uh, the key to a good uh, marriage is communication. And then they get, you get mad at them and, or they get mad at you. They say, don't talk. To, I don't want to talk about 
right? Or you ever been guilty of the old silent treatment, right? You just, oh, hallelujah, God's not that way, the holy forgiver. You know, he doesn't just uh, uh, turn away. He doesn't not answer us, but, but he speaks to us. I think about even in his agony upon uh, the cross. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke 23. Uh, this is just uh, otherworldly that someone could have this kind of heart, especially, you know, when what was happening to them was so awful. It was so unjust. It was so cruel. It was so mean. It was so unfair. How that, that he was being betrayed, how that he, his good was being evil spoken of, how that lies were being told, uh, about him how that there was wasn't any justice you know for him and so it's amazing that in this moment uh brother robert have y'all y'all got the word there uh luke 23 34 brother read that for us luke 23 34 Yeah, I don't know how that that affects you, but it always affects me powerfully. Cause I I know the way that I am, and if people were were treating me that way, and in that moment, and Jesus was already so tired in the flesh. You remember, like even in the garden, he had sweat. He was under such agony. I, I believe that Jesus did not think as a man that he was going to make it uh, physically. Uh, to endure everything that had to be endured so that we might be forgiven. And yet in this moment of agony, wouldn't you and I have cried out, Father, destroy these people. Father, send your angels and, and just wipe these people out for uh, their evil that they're doing to me, your beloved son. Look how I'm being treated, God. Take vengeance. But that's where we read that the blood of Christ speaks greater things than that of Abel. For Abel was a righteous man, and his blood cried out to God for vengeance. But isn't it awesome that our holy forgiver, he cried out for mercy. Listen to that. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hallelujah today that you and I can only sin as men, but he can forgive as God. How much greater His forgiveness is even than our sin. Before where sin did abound, hallelujah, grace did what? Much more abound. It's super, uh, yeah, super abounded. So it's hard for us to even realize this because we know how holy that God is. But because of the meritorious, redeeming, finished work of the Lamb of God that has indeed taken away our sin and pay for them and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness that they will be remembered no more. He can say, Father, forgive them. He can say, He can say that He's more ready to forgive than we are to even sin. Now we know what great sinners that we are and that He is more ready to forgive 
than I am even to sin. That's how much greater his nature is than God. He, we can only sin in finitude, but he can forgive infinitely. Does that bless your heart? Doesn't that make you glory in the forgiveness that we have? And to know that God, this holy God, that he wants us forgiven sinners to live and rejoice and walk in the free forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. Well, he speaks forgiveness. This holy forgiver, he speaks and, and he answers. That's what he said that in our Psalm 99. He said, he, he spake unto them. Uh, verse 8, he answered them as our Lord God, as Jehovah Yahweh, the, the uh, great self-existent one who is also our covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. He speaks forgiveness to us. And he also hears our prayers for forgiveness. It's both ways. He hears the prayers for forgiveness and he speaks, you are forgiven to you and to me. And that's why some that were around his earthly ministry, they just couldn't believe their ears. On, and when in one, in more than one occasion, I know of three occasions, when he was healing someone along with the natural healing, he said, your sins are forgiven. He can speak it. And he's the only one that can forgive sins. Christ has died. Who can condemn us because Christ has died? He never will because he died that we might be uncondemned. Oh, rejoice in that. And so let us take God at his word that this holy forgiver especially in the realm of forgiveness, that He loves to speak forgiveness and He loves to hear our prayers for forgiveness. Because even in the model prayer, Father, what? Forgive us our, our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Oh, this is just uh, one of the great promises that, are, are in, uh, that is in the Bible. Uh, let me see. Sister Mary Reese. If you will, first Chronicles, gonna no second Chronicles, gonna test you in the Old Testament here. You know, as we see the moral decline and decadence uh, of our nation, I, I, brother Jeff, when he was preaching Sunday, he mentioned there in the Iowa State Capitol that they allowed them to set up a display in honor of Satan. And I was so uh, disgusted by that and grieved in my heart. I, 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 I looked it up, and, and it was true that beside these scenes uh, that uh, spoke to the great uh, affections that people have for God, here was this disgusting display I mean, who could love the devil? Who could want to worship the devil? It, it shows the, the sadness uh, of our times. And I don't have to spend much time on that. Mary Reese, are you there? Second Chronicles 7. And so this was at the dedication of the temple. It had been finished. And Solomon was dedicating it. And then he, he 
he made this great statement. And we just need to take God at his word. We need to remind that he loves to speak it. He loves to, to hear it prayed. Read verse 14 for us, Sister Mary Reese. Do y'all believe that? Is that just words that were spoken long ago or is it still relevant? And, and does it still apply to our day? Oh, it does. God wants to hear His people seeking forgiveness not only on their own behalf. That's what I loved about Job and the story about Job. He wouldn't just ask God uh, to forgive his sins. He would say, if my children have done anything, Lord... May I also intercede for them. That's what Moses, we've read about Moses. Moses was a great intercessor for others. God heard him because he pleaded for others. He pleaded for his nation. Jesus also was a lover of his nation and he pleaded to God for them. Will you and I also plead the forgiving heart of a holy forgiver? God says, if you do, I'm promising I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive. I'll heal their land. I hope that's powerful to unite. It just reminds you uh, of how much God loves to forgive. It's really incredible. All right, so uh, thirdly, then we, we've reached uh, this into the, into to the text. So he, he, he sees the good in his children. He, he speaks to them. He hears them, but then to the heart of the matter, the, the holy forgiver not only sees good in them, not only hears and answers them, but he actually does forgive them. He does something that makes a difference in their souls and lives. In the deepest need that we have, God superabounds in it, and he delights in mercy. He loves to forgive you, even as weak and simple as we are. He says, that you answered them, O Lord of God. Thou wast a God that forgave us them. He forgave us them. The Holy Forgiver forgives and He remembers mercy. Oh, I, I love some of the texts that we have by the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Romans. Um, going to turn to one myself and, and Sister Haley. I'm going to ask you. Uh, to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. But I'm going to start off in Romans 5 as we think about this God that loves to forgive, that, that has forgiven, that is forgiving, and that remembers mercy. You know, it seems like we're the opposite, don't we? It shows our fallenness that we want to hold the grudge. That we want to remember the pain or, or the hurt and, and dwell on it. I mean, that's just, we're sycophants uh, in, in, our, in our old man. And, and Peter says, Peter thought he had done so good, right? He came to Jesus. Lord, how many times should we forgive? Up to seven times? I mean, he thought he had really, you know, hit the mark. Jesus said, you're not even close, boy. Seventy times seven even that you should forgive. That's the heart of God. 
Romans 5 and 20, we'll start there. Oh, um, Romans 5 and 20, yes. Are you there with me? Oh, this we spoke to this earlier. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, do you feel that way? Do you just see that in yourself that there's just so much sin? Well, it's true. That's the honest truth about me and you. That even though we're redeemed, even though we've been regenerated, don't you still yet see and feel so much sinfulness within? I do. But hallelujah for verses like this. That where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In the Greek it means to it superabounded. That as death hath reigned unto death, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, Sister Haley, hit us with Romans eight, verse one, one of my favorites in the Bible. Man, just let that sink in. Let it just sink in. That the holy, holy, holy God that we know about. And how much His wrath. I mean, He has has built an eternal dwelling place. Where His wrath will abide on sinners forever. With such intensity that we can't even imagine the horror of it. That same God says to you and to me, those that He chose before the world began, that Christ redeemed by His blood, that the Holy Spirit has regenerated and given faith in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation to you. What a, what a forgiver. What a holy forgiver that He is. We sin as men. But he forgives his God. He forgives the sinner and slays the sin. Leaving the sinner unhurt by his action. All God's dealings with us about our sins in this life, they're never punitive. That is, God is never afflicting punishment upon his children for their sins. He lovingly corrects and chastises them away from it so that they will experience the forgiveness and love and and abundant life that they have in the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. He wants us. He delights for us to live in the free forgiveness of our sins. So don't let the devil cover you with shame. And, and with regret for those things are in the past. Those things Christ has died for. And God has freely forgiven you of those things. Live in that. Rejoice in that. The Holy Forgiver forgives and remembers mercy. But then lastly tonight, we must acknowledge also... That the Holy Forgiver takes vengeance on our sins 
but only chastises the erring child. The Holy Forgiver takes vengeance on our sins, but only chastises the erring child. None of us in here has ever gotten away with a single sin. God's people never sin successfully. Never. Never. All the punishment for our sin was meted out on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he drunk the dregs even of the wrath of God for us. We think about Moses and the consequences for his actions. He did not enter into the land. We think about David, though he was forgiven for adultery and murder, yet the sword never left his house and he lost that child with Bathsheba that he loved so much. Oh, how much we need to love the holy forgiver, but forsake the sin that grieves him. I remember a story about a young boy that had a problem with lying. He just lied all the time. And his dad got so tired of it, he finally told the boy, he took the boy outside in the backyard and he made him dig a hole and they put up a four by four post about eight foot tall in the backyard. And he said, every time that I catch you in a lie, you're going to come out here and you're going to drive a nail into this post. And it wasn't no big deal to the boy. Day after day, there he was with a handful of nails, nailing the nails in the, in the board, in the post, till finally, almost top to bottom, the whole thing was covered with nails, and his heart began to, to grieve that he was such a liar. And so he made a deal with his dad. He said, Dad, how about from now on, every day that I don't tell a lie, and every time that you find me telling the truth, you let me go and take a nail out. And the dad said, okay, it's, it's a deal. And so finally the day came, father and son went out to pull the last nail out of the post. And the boy pulled the last nail out of the post, and he sat down and just started weeping, crying and crying. The dad said, well, son, aren't you happy? All the, all the nails are out of the post. He said, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm happy about that. He said, but all the scars, all the holes are still there. That's kind of a sad story, but aren't you glad that's not the way it is with us? And the Lord Jesus Christ, the only place that the holes are, are in His hands, in His feet, and in His side. And He embraces us in forgiving love and mercy and grace. Never, our sins never to be remembered anymore. They've been wiped clean from our account. And a righteousness, His righteousness, has been placed instead. Oh, I, I think about some of the things that Jesus said as I, as I close. Just let me turn these because I know that I'm past my time uh, tonight. I've really enjoyed uh, preaching this to you, but I know that you're weary I just love this. Uh, just write these down and just listen to them. Just two real quick. John five fourteen. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. And then 
Y'all remember also the woman caught in adultery. Those men all had the stones in their hands ready to kill her. And Jesus just started drawing in the ground. And he said, whoever doesn't have their own sins, just go ahead and throw the first stone. And y'all remember one by one, they, they went out. And to me, this just kind of sums up what we've been talking about, about how that God takes vengeance on the sin, but he, and, but he only chastised the erring child because the Lord chastens every son that he loves. And, and he does it for our, for our good to bring the peaceable fruit of righteousness into our lives because he's the holy forgiver. But here he said to that woman, when Jesus had lifted up himself, this is John 18, and when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, And let him say it to you tonight as well, Neither do I condemn thee. Isn't that wonderful to hear tonight from a holy, sin-hating God? I don't condemn you. Whatever it's been this week, this year, I don't condemn you. He, he, he forgives. But then he says, go thy way and sin no more. They're the two great doctrines of justification and sanctification. <laughs> back, back to back there in one phrase. I don't condemn you either. Neither do I go and sin no more. May the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer.